Welcome back to another edition of the Fantasy 40 Podcast with myself, John DeBari, and my co-host, Mr. Matt Walker. And as always, brought to you by our friends over at Expand the Box Score. So, wildcard weekend is in the books. We are in the, I get the, the, the names mixed up, divisional round? We in the divisional, divisional round now? Correct. So, uh, we'll chit-chat a little bit about these games that we just saw, what we got coming up on deck, how we're doing in our playoff fantasy football leagues some some player picks for uh the divisional round and then uh get out of here so walk how are you and where you want to start uh i'm doing better than some of these head coaches offensive coordinators uh will likely be doing in the next in in the coming days uh but uh got my eagles gonna host the, the hapless new york giants yeah, they're gonna put an end to that Cinderella story this week. But uh, I think uh, I think we're setting up for a pretty good divisional weekend. Vegas seems to think Sunday's gonna be more competitive than Saturday, but we'll get into all of that soon. How about you, sir? Yeah, I had uh, okay weekend. I guess I I enjoyed the games. I don't, you know, I watch Red Zone most of the time. I, I have a hard time sitting through an actual <laughs> full length football game, but I sat through. I think five of the six this weekend that Isn't I saw. Red Zone of? kind of irrelevant when all the games are bookended. Well, you don't. They don't even have Red Zone in the playoffs. I yeah. didn't. I didn't think so. I don't. Yeah, I, I didn't attempt to experience Red Zone this year. You know, my cost cutting, but wasn't aware. I'm like that kind of de- defeats the purpose, right? If you're going to see every touchdown, sure on regular TV, but yeah. So actually sitting through and watching a game, and then I got into it. You know, we had heavy McCaffrey, and I had him even heavier in other leagues. So I was super interested in the first game, which kind of got the juices flowing for the rest of the weekend. So I I enjoyed a weekend of football more than I have in a long time, actually. Uh, so Elijah Mitchell being the more productive pass-catching running back in that oh. game didn't upset you at all? No, because he still scored, you know, and, and we'll talk about this more. We talk about our slightly disappointing start to a lot of these leagues. He didn't lay a goose egg. You know, a lot of these guys didn't stink. There were very few giant epic disappointments where, where like they were heavily owned because even Eckler didn't have the greatest statistical day, but his two touchdowns saved him. So some of these guys were bailed out. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't disagree. I mean, but then you see in the the Debo explosion, the Elijah Mitchell touchdown catch. I was all Christian McCaffrey a few weeks ago, but you know he was productive on the ground, albeit largely on the strength of one run early in the game. But to your point, he he got us there. You know, the one person we did not discuss was Brock Purdy in that, and it was he QB two on the week. Could have been QB one. I'm going to assume Dak ended up at QB one. Is probably. I think just from looking through box scores, what I remember, I think Dak had 37 and Purdy had 41. I, obviously, different leagues have different tweaks. Right, and scores, what I'm looking at, 305 passing yards and four touchdowns for Dak, 24 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown for Dak. And big old Brock had three thir- <laughs> 332 and only three touchdown pass and four for 16 and one touchdown rushing. By my math, that means that Dak outscored him. Could be. Yeah, like I said, there's very um, close, but different different tweaks and scoring. I don't know who the fuck's got 
extra points for completions and ah, losing that. points for incompletions, all that other way. Down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Well, why don't we dive right into that first game, kind of run through the, the six-game slate, the 49ers Seahawks. Kind of went according to plan. All right? it, was, it was tight early. I think we both said, like, be kind of divisional early on, and, you know, it, Seattle would try and make it ugly, but eventually the 49ers would separate themselves, and that's exactly what happened. This was a, a one-score game going into the fourth quarter, and then yeah. the f- fourth quarter happened, and boom, 41 to, to 23. Big Debo play. Um for, for a touchdown, amongst other things. Not a lot of surprise here, other than maybe George Kittle. Um, yeah, that was the, the God. giant bust, and considering how bad Seattle was to tight ends this year, um, 15.2 average points allowed to opposing tight ends. So, you know, could it have been a, an element of, of – you you mentioned Mitchell coming back and Debo coming back and you know there's only only one ball to get around so they could have been part of it but you just would have thought game plan wise knowing that it's a positive matchup for Kittle that he would have been more involved I mean what he I think it's seven points which is not gonna do it that was the biggest dud in my lineups and I had him in a ton but it wasn't a goose egg, you know, it wasn't three. Three is hard to get back from. Seven sucks, but it doesn't kill you. It does if you're going against, you know, Everett or some of these guys that monster weeks. But I'll, I'll take the seven because I've had guys that score fucking zero. Yeah, I mean, he caught both his targets for 37 yards. You know what I mean? So he was productive when he got opportunity. Uh, it was just that Debo Samus all 30% target share oh. at nine out of 30 targets from – Brock Purdy, six for 133 and a touchdown. I mean, Brandon Ayuk had five. Jennings had five. Elijah Mitchell had three targets. He had more targets than George Kittle. So I'm going to assume we're back to Kittle blocking, which is certainly not what we were hoping and discussing, creating some of these FFPC teams either, where you get that uh, tight end premium bonus. But we'll see what happens uh, next week against Dallas, where edge rushers are likely going to put him in a similar position. Again, with a lot of these dump-off, yak-type plays that Adebo Samuels, Christian McCaffrey, and Elijah Mitchell. So, in hindsight, I'm probably not going to be that surprised if he posts another subpar day, unfortunately. Sure. But everyone else and, did their job. Yeah. Uh, and and good. you're talking about, like, looking forward to next week, and we'll get into this more. But to me, seeing Debo come out of the blocks and have that <laughs> monster game, he's probably going to be the highest-owned among highest owned wide receivers going into next weekend, just because people saw that big game out of them. Unless you think people really jump on AJ Brown or or in his first game back. So to me, Debo's a big fade because if they make it to the NFC championship, that's kind of where I would prefer to have him just to play the ownership game. Cause just kind of the DFS part of it. He, he pops. Everyone's like, Ooh, Debo's back. I, I think he's going to be really high on next week. So I'm going to stay away from him. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, yeah, we'll get into that game a little bit yeah. more. But uh, Brandon Ayuk, who saw five targets, caught three for 73 yards. Not too shabby himself, could easily have been the beneficiary of, you know, the 100 yard one touchdown game and you know, is, a, is a decent pivot off Debo after what he did. On the other side of the house, Seattle. You know, uh, DK Metcalf had a monster. I think he was wide receiver one with a bullet, 10 for 136 and two. Um, didn't do that either week during the season when they played San Fran on any of my uh, 
dynasty or redraft teams, but was the focal point of this entire offense and looked pretty amazing. Ken Walker did find the end zone. Some little else to be had there. No one else of relevance on the Seattle side. Um, and they are bounced and now will enter the offseason with a top five pick courtesy to Russell Wilson trade and tons of question as to what exactly they're going to do with that. I I don't see why they would go away from Gino. Didn't he lead the league in completion percentage? Yeah, my my two cents is you give Gino like a decent low end starter two year type deal, and then you you draft a quarterback in, in the top five if one of those guys is there that you believe in, because um, then you can slowly work them in to the offense. I mean, I think Bryce Young and uh, Shroud will be gone, but maybe a Will Levis is there if they believe in Levis. If not. You're not going to take Richardson at five, but maybe you trade back. Who knows? I still think you just have that luxury of taking that pick, assuming you're not going to be around there again. We got um, don't they have Denver's first next year? So I, worst no, they case Dem- scenario. No, they had Denver's first 22 mm-hmm. and 23. So they oh, used okay. one of Denver's first to take the lineman. Um, gotcha, gotcha. gotcha. No, they don't Charles have 24. Crossing. I think they have like a second or third or something like yeah. that. I, mean, I can fact check, but I don't believe they have their 24th. Then yes, I would agree with you because yeah, you're not gonna have the luxury of getting up there again if you think you're a good team a year from now. But that's, that is that is more dynasty stuff for next year. Uh, anything else from that game? I really didn't have anything stick out personally. Just the DK you're... was in, in hindsight, DK was obviously oh well, he was a smart play. But like you said, he didn't do much against him in the previous two matchups. They weren't projected to even score 23 points. You know, this is a process over results thing. I still don't think that was – it wasn't bad not to have him. The teams that had him – call me names if you'd like. I just think they got lucky. Yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah, and just quick pivot back to Russell Wilson. Yes, 22 and 23 first and second round picks. So – that okay. I knew ends, it was two. I got, it ends with here. these two. So yeah, that's that's my two cents. Um, but no, I mean I I'm, I'm big a DK fan as there is, and I didn't have them anywhere. I wasn't expecting that, and I also didn't want to eat up one of the premium spots with a guy that I thought was going to be one and done. So correct to your point. Lucky kudos to the teams that did because you know that's like a two start week right there out of him. Yeah. You yeah. Know, so it's gonna it's gonna give you advantage over the field. Um, for trusting him, he would have been the only guy I went with, but I was looking at kicker defense or not picking when it came to Seattle. Cause to your point, I did not even see them being able to put 23 points up um, and, or it all coming from DK <laughs> pretty much. So, you know, we'll, we'll move on from Seattle and go to what I think was, in, it, or what in my opinion was the most exciting game and disappointing game of the weekend. And it was the chargers Jaguars Saturday night special where the Jaguars came back in epic fashion, the third highest comeback postseason comeback of all time, 27 down at halftime, four interceptions by Trevor Lawrence. They win 31 to 30 as your boy, Brandon Staley just chokes it away. <laughs> the entire second half. They can't fired, run the ball for shit. It fired was, their QB coach and OC just before yeah. we started. Yeah. Lombardi out. I saw that you get someone's got scapegoats, got a scapegoat. Um, yeah. They, they just seem to can't run the ball and that's why they lost the game. They, they continue to pass because that's all they can do. And they can run the ball. They're choosing not to. No, no, they're, they're, they're epically bad. 
I, yeah, I am not fair. disagreeing, but you I know, mean they could literally like, hand it to a running back. You're right. They just they don't do it at all, but it's because yes. they're so inefficiently bad at it. So chicken or egg, but you know, they kept giving possessions back to the Jaguars. They looked ignited. Their defense played a lot better in the second half after the Chargers didn't even really capitalize on all the turnovers that, that they had. Yeah, correct. Four interceptions and the punt the ricochets off of a blocker's helmet that they recover like inside the 10 yard line. This game that. shouldn't have been comebackable, <laughs> but it was cause it's the chargers. And this oh. is just bad. Imagine being a charger fan, man. Like I'm like an anointed chargers believer, but to be an actual fan of this team that <laughs> if it's just, it's, if it can happen, it will happen. Is They're the worst. Yes. But there's another one we'll talk about. Oh yeah. So it's good old skulls. <laughs> but we'll, we'll we'll get there. So, you know, to the players, Herbert had a modest game. To your point, Eckler was bad but found the end zone twice. 13 carries for 35 yards to my point, 2.7 yards per carry. Kelly didn't do any better, averaging 2.9. Nothing in the passing game. They averaged three as a team. Didn't do shit in the passing game. Two catches for eight yards. Baffling to me. Like, that's what in the second half, if that's what you're going to do, I just I would be acting like we're in comeback mode where it's just, yes. just like dump, dump, dump the Eckler all over the field, wherever he goes you know, extension of the run game type things, but yeah, not involved at all. Four targets who was involved. Keenan Allen saw 13 targets caught six for 61. Not bad. You know, pretty inefficient, but Gerald Everett six oh. for one Oh nine and one. He looked awesome. He was a man on a mission when he caught the ball. I mean, he just looked big, fast and angry. And hopefully they bring him back because the chargers are in desperate need of playmakers. Mike, yeah. Mike Williams out after getting hurt in a game he shouldn't have been playing in. Exposed this entire offense. They had no deep threat. Everything was <clears throat> underneath. Char- well, and- Jaguars didn't have to respect them at all. And it came to it came to roost mm-hmm. by a three-point second half from the Chargers. Um, well, the Jaguars went and put up 24. And we had um we were texting during the games about and, and like that game with Hold on, John. We're letting people know we're friends in real life. Yeah. So <laughs> we didn't. We didn't. We didn't even consider Everett. I don't think we even said his name. Building some of these lineups, I didn't anywhere. I don't know if. I don't believe it was game plan. I think what happened with Williams being in hindsight, we go, ah, Williams was out, but they lost Josh Palmer early too. I don't know what his injury was, but he didn't play the whole game. So there ends up being an opening where, yeah. Because it didn't wasn't fucking Trey McKitty and Parnum both catching passes out there, so they oh, yeah. had to get Par- Parham saw five targets, caught four for twenty three. Kitty McKitty caught both of his targets for sixteen yards. So yeah, their tight ends were highly involved. Yeah, in, and, in and I game. don't think that was the plan going in. I think <laughs> I sure hope not. I think Palmer going getting banged up was a big part of that. But the the Eckler usage was criminal. I mean, like we said, luckily he did get in that end zone, which saved his day for fantasy. Uh Keenan Allen got targeted, but didn't didn't put up. When you hear thirteen targets, you're like licking your licking your lips, going, "All right, here we go." But he he didn't have that monster that we were hoping for. But it was very, you know, chef's chef's kiss of the fingers, very Chargers esque to just watch that. It, and I didn't even when it when they were down. What was it? Twenty seven to nothing at some point. They were before scoring before the Jaguar scored going into the half. It was twenty seven nothing. In the second quarter, yeah. So I even said, I think uh, my my kids were my kids were the most invested in football I've ever seen because I was telling them I was like, 
if this guy does good, <laughs> dad's going to make some money. Nah. So the kids were like, oh, interesting. But yeah, just watching it and then seeing them run up the score, I never felt, and, and, I, and I'm sure it's just because of the logos on the screen. I was not like, oh, they've locked this up. I was like, oh, this is going to get close. <laughs> like I was sweating it as a non-Chargers fan, just knowing how the things go for them. I mean, the irony, like uh, Sarah was watching the game with me and like, it, it was like 27, nothing. And she's like, we're going to bed at halftime. Right. I was like, oh no. Because <laughs> yeah. that game was late too. Didn't it finish? Oh yeah. Late? It was a Saturday night game. So she, she went to bed and I woke her up in the morning. I said, uh, Jaguars won. She's like, get the, and I was like, <laughs> serious. 31, 30. Yeah. It was funny. Uh, when I was just driving home before we recorded, there was a guy on the on NFL radio, and they were saying, oh, I'm sure at 24 nothing, people started turning the game off and going about their day. And it, it, just like we're talking, I in my mind, I was like, never. I was like, oh, I'm not a guy. I have to watch the end that's of this. Inter- that's when I got interested. Yeah. I'm like, oh, they're going to find a way to jump this away. So the I mean, fact that it happened was so funny. Yeah. I mean, and the way that it happened, right? Lawrence, four interception first half and then four touchdowns. You know, to to close the game with a four on four, two hundred and eighty eight yards. Somehow Etienne got to one hundred nine yards. Had that big play on that fourth and one where they just took him outside. It was a great play call. Had twenty carries for one hundred nine yards. Listen to these pass catchers. Evan Ingram had eleven targets, seven for ninety three in a touchdown. Christian Kirk had fourteen targets, eight for seventy eight in a touchdown. Zay Jones had thirteen targets, eight for seventy four in a touchdown. And then Marvin Jones out of nowhere, six targets, three for twenty nine and a touchdown. They all averaged between nine point. Or the wide receivers all averaged between nine point two and nine point eight yards per catch. Meanwhile, the tight end Ingram goes thirteen point three. It's just crazy the way that they just just paper cutted them to death. There wasn't really any huge plays. The biggest <clears throat> completion was a 39-yarder to Zay Jones, but they were just working the ball, matriculating the ball down the field and converting and getting everyone involved. I mean, three guys with 11-plus targets in the game, that's just bonkers. Most of the teams, you know, you, you mentioned last week, the who's the skeleton keys to unlocking some of these fantasy championships? In a lot of the leagues I'm in, the teams that are in that top 10, they had a Trevor Lawrence stack with one of those with, with Eckler or, or Ingram. And th- that seemed to be the, the big outlier that popped a lot of teams in that top 10 through one week. Yeah, I go buy it. All right. Moving on from the two Slater Saturday to the three game Sunday before we discuss that epic fail on Monday. So the 34 <laughs> 31 Buffalo bills hold on to win against the Skylar Thompson led Miami Dolphins. I still don't know how this game was close because Skylar Thompson threw for 220 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. And as a team, the Miami Dolphins rushed for 42 yards on the game, on the day. I knew it wasn't good. I didn't know it was that. I, I just still, I'm, I'm at a loss. And it's just because Josh Allen had two interceptions and a fumble lost. I mean, so he was a turnover machine, but still put up 352 passing yards and three touchdowns along with another just chipped in 20 rushing. So even his shit days are good because he's responsible for most all their touchdowns. But this game, 14-point line with a 44.5-point total (laughs) ended up going Miami cover and a 65-point total in the game. So no one. And God's green earth saw this coming, but the primary beneficiaries, Stefan Diggs, K- 
came back to life after a shitty fantasy football playoffs. I can just speak firsthand to someone who traded for him in a <laughs> win now team where he just, I don't think he had seven for 114 across the three weeks of the playoffs. He's had but, some bad games this year. He's had some stinkers, real stinkers. Um, my boy, playoff Gabe. I mean, there's no more playoff Letty. It's playoff Gabe. Six for 113 and a touchdown. Love to see it. Little Too little too late, but, you know. I'm still here for all the Gabe Davis. Cole Beasley caught a touchdown out of nowhere. And then Dawson Knox got in the end zone as well. All Beasley looked pretty points. good. He they did. got him involved. He, he looked good. okay. He's not cooked. He wasn't. He was just, you know, he was just anti-COVID vaccine. Persona so, non grata. Yeah. You know, so he just, it was, it was too much of a headache to, you know, to keep around. But now it's playoff time. He has a history with Josh Allen. He's going to be a value add. So, I don't know if there's really anything to discuss. There's no one really hit on the Miami side. Tyreek Hill. Is the only. Yeah, I mean, you know, Mike Gesicki had two for 15 and a touchdown. He almost scored as many as, as much as Knox did in the game. Um, it's all your cast of characters. They didn't run the ball well. Singletary, decent, 4.8 yards per carry, but only had 10 carries. Cook found the end zone on yeah. his 12 attempts, but only had 39 yards. They still just were just average running the ball. Uh, as a team, and neither of those guys was highly involved as a pass catcher. How about this? Wasn't involved. Neither of them even had a target. Yeah. On the day. I thought maybe they had one or two. It was Naheem Hines that had two targets, one for seven. So just good luck trusting the Buffalo Bills running back. Um, it was one we thought we could hold on to and trust later on. Now we just might be closing our eyes and holding our nose if we're yeah. trusting Buffalo in the Super Bowl if we hold on to those players till that point. Yeah, you you had mentioned Dawson Knox last week, you know, and, and not like pressuring me to put him in any lineups or anything, but his name floated out there. You know, tight ends are hard to predict who's hitting who. And in hindsight, I mean, if you were going to go with an Allen stack, Miami was 12.9 points to opposing tight ends, which was the second highest uh, out of all the teams in the playoffs. That, there's a world in hindsight where maybe that would have been a decent play in the leagues where you could – have more than one guy from each team. But again, I don't – that one I feel more overlooked compared to Metcalf. Like th- there's a, a narrative I could have talked myself into just based on matchup. But, I mean, you know, tight end such a fucking coin flip with the exception of Kelsey every week. It's hard to just be like, eh, maybe this was the week for him. But other than that, I don't think we missed any obvious plays here. I mean, Allen – was you know he's always going to be up among the top guys just because he will be and then Miami it was really tight you knew they were going to lose even though the game was closer than anyone thought but you knew they were going to lose Tyreek Hill was the only guy you could confidently plug in a lineup and he kind of rewarded people with a a decent volume his way into a decent day but kind of kind of went like we thought I, I, no surprises here it did well, point of reference Dawson Knox has now scored a touchdown in five straight games really so yeah. He did. They had the one no contest game, but the last four weeks of their regular season, he had a touchdown and he continued it with a touchdown this week. So in his <laughs> last five completed games, Dawson Knox has scored a touchdown and it's not been on high volume in three of those five games. He's had five or less targets. So he's looking for him in the red zone and finding him and their best friends. They're like, like hotel buddies <laughs> on the road. Like, yeah, there's a, there's a shower narrative to be had there, but Beyond that, not a lot more. All right, so we were talking about the Chargers and and the way they choked in in a special way. Um, Disappointing their fans. Yeah, so now we're in the the middle game of the three-game Sunday slate, and the 
New York Giants dispatch of the Minnesota Vikings, 31-24. Both you and I, this was the easiest. I can see the Giants winning this game yeah. as far as upsets went. Um, we should have trusted our gut because it literally played out almost exactly as I expected. I saw a, a tweet, and I, I'm not going to nail it, but it was something about like a, a quarterback having or a team having no turnovers and the quarterback having X completion percentage and this, 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 <laughs> and this. The Vikings are the first team to ever lose when they had all this stuff going in their favor. They they played a clean game and they lost. <laughs> and it was, you know, they were touchdown, 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 field goal. They were involved throughout, but the Giants were two touchdowns, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. Win the game on the back largely of Saquon Barkley, but no disrespect to Daniel Jones. 301 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, another 17 for 78 rushing. On the week, <clears throat> Daniel Jones was the skeleton key in the first week of the wild card. But Saquon found his way into 53 rushing and two touchdowns, five for 56 receiving. Like, yeah, Saquon, like, the, love to see it. One of the guys that we also talked but, about. But real quick, just to talk about Barkley yeah. real fast. The, the only thing about it is it didn't matter because as far as I, the, the leagues where I have ownership numbers, he was the top owned fuck might be player period. Yeah. I, which I, he should have been because I, yeah. So like, every, you're, everyone you're, got those points. So that's the only thing that sucks. If you didn't have them, you're fucked. Cause you're chasing. Well, that's the that. thing. That's the thing. Correct. right? He's a, he's, a, he's a net zero. You had to have him, but Correct. he didn't help you to have him. Right. Cause yeah. it was so owned, but you know, to that point, we mentioned Isaiah Hodgins, and that dude went eight for one hundred five and a touchdown on the week. He well, you said playing, someone actually it's it was eight. Your quote, I remember it. You said someone is going to catch eight balls, and I was like, "Good, good luck guessing who." So you, yeah, I mean, the irony kudos is to you for hammering that one right on the number. Yeah, Richie James four for thirty one didn't help. I would have went Hodgins over. He's been more productive the last several weeks um, with Daniel Jones. I mean, think about it. Uh, just talking about streaks. Five of the last six games, Isaiah Hodgins has scored a touchdown. He has a one-week void. 44 in a touchdown, 38 in a touchdown, 37, no touchdown, 89 in a touchdown, 42 in a touchdown, 105 in a touchdown. His best game of the season was his last game in the defeated Minnesota Vikings. But that uh, that doesn't uh, that doesn't tell the entire story because we go over to the Minnesota side. And, you know, Kirk, Kirk Cousins <laughs> – didn't do anything wrong. 273 and two. Dalvin Cook just totally out. Oh, sorry. And and Cousins stole the one-yard touchdown uh, as well. So a productive fantasy day. The best receiver was CJ Hawkinson. Caught 10 of 11 targets for 129 yards. Justin Jefferson caught 7 of 9 for 47 yards. Justin Jefferson has been in a little bit of a tailspin the last few weeks. His last three games against Green Bay, historically, he had one catch for 15 yards. Against the Chicago Bears, four for 38. And then in his playoff loss to the Giants to pack it up for the season, seven for 47. That is not Justin Jefferson, the guy that the weeks prior, 12 for 123 and a touchdown, 12 for 133 and a touchdown, 10 for 223 or 11 for 223 yards. Like, what happened? I'm hearing he has turf toe, but there's more to it. They did. He mixed in. He had a great season, right? But there were a couple weeks, even in the beginning of the year, he had a few stinkers. I had a, 
I had him in a couple guillotine leagues. And when I took him early, I was like, shit, this guy alone should carry me to like week eight when like half the teams are gone. And I got bumped early because he had a couple of, but you know, these, these seven for 40 games early in the year. So yeah, you're he, absolutely right. I mean, he opened up against the same Green Bay Packers, had nine for 184 and two touchdowns, right? And we're like, oh, here, there goes all the wide yep. receiver records for this year. The following week against the Eagles, six for 48. The week yep. after that against Detroit, three for 14. Yep. But then he just went rocket ship for several weeks. And then he had this stinker, three for 33 against Dallas in between what was a, an amazing run for the season. But yeah, the last three weeks were catastrophic. Um, yeah. When you, when you want, I, you know, I lost the league solely on the back of his one for 15 game against green Bay, but it was just ugly for the Vikings. Um, you know, the giants deserve to win. They're moving on whether you used Jefferson or not, which most probably did as well. You're talking about ownerships. I mean, he was well, another one that he sucked, but he had probably such high exposure that, it didn't really hurt. Anyway. Yeah, he, he's the opposite Barkley, where Barkley scored a ton and it didn't matter because everybody got it. Jefferson stunk. It didn't matter because everyone had him. He was uh, in the big league I have exact numbers for, 62% owned. Barkley, by comparison, was 69%. We, and, and by far the most owned wide receiver, Keenan Allen, was second with 29. So he almost uh, almost doubled up or did double up that number, more than double. Yeah. So I mean, he stunk, but it didn't. You're not chasing any points because he stunk for almost everybody. Exactly. Now, going on to the Sunday night special of the AFC North, where the Cincinnati Bengals outlasted the Tyler Huntley led Baltimore Ravens 24 to 17. The score is important because that represented the fifth straight over on the weekend. The total was 40 in that game. So they just got there, but five straight overs for the weekend. And it was largely on the strength of a, was it 98-yard fumble return yeah. touchdown for your boy Sam Hubbard while Tyler Huntley tried to reach over the, the pile from two yards out and got it smacked away and was returned from a touchdown as Mark Andrews did his best DK Metcalf impersonation in trying to run him down. But much like J.K. Dobbins, I feel like – there was a better script there <laughs> in how to win the game. And it was pretty much, they should have been giving it to JK Dobbins down there, but yeah. also how was this game so close? Is, is this my third time's a charm narrative playing against a division rival? Because I, I, yeah, had I had no business being on the field I, with the Bengals. I, I just chalk it up to division game. I mean, they're, they're always going to be tighter than we expect. I mean, look at fucking Buffalo, Miami, another one. So to me, that's all that was. And, and even going back to the first one, I mean, San Francisco, Seattle was close to the to the end. I mean, at halftime, you were like, shit, Seattle's hanging in here. So I, I think that's all that is, which preview to next week, we have Philly and the Giants. So um, keep anticipate yeah. that one being close. But, yeah, the Cincinnati, that was a disappointment. I mean, a lot of people had Burrow. A lot of people used uh, Chase this week. I saved them anticipating the matchup um, next week against Buffalo. So – Fingers crossed I made the, the right move there. But not, you know, that last touchdown you mentioned came on the defensive side of the game. Not a ton of offense here to be had, which was a little bit of a disappointment, especially following three 60-point games and one 55-pointer heading into this one. Yeah, I mean, had to see this one coming. A low total, division rivals, you know, run-based offense. Friggin' Ravens ran it 35 times 
in the game and were largely effective 155 yards. So they weren't, weren't bad um, in, in their opportunities. They were just grinding clock and trying to slow the game down. And they did. I mean, to your point, the only person that got there on the Bengals side was Jamar chase nine for 84 and a touchdown. Wasn't the, like the world beater DK game, but you know, it's good enough for people that use them that they're not going to be disappointed yeah. if you have to pivot to like a T Higgins in this anticipated Buffalo bill shootout next week, but just ugly throughout i mean dobbins got there on a reception mark andrews five for 73 saw 10 targets not a bad game from him when we we're talking about fade and all ravens like this is kind of what we expected right you, yeah you, like dobbins was reasonable and andrews they were two we were talking about neither dudded but you, you didn't want to like in in the in the one and done or not in the one and done in the you know in the 14 one player yeah. from each team you didn't want to pin your hopes to any of these guys and and rightfully so. So none of them had the DK game where you'd be like, okay, I'm good with that. So fading Ravens was the right call. Now talking about fading, Monday night, <laughs> Dallas Cowboys 31. Transition. Baltimore Tampa Bay Buccaneers 14. In a game that the most memorable thing is that Brett Maher missed four straight <laughs> extra points. Somehow it was unreal. In a game to start off with like the team's Four possessions, no first downs. And then you started seeing Dallas get their wits about them a little bit and start figuring out the defense. The, the, the Buccaneers couldn't. I mean, they, they had no answer in this game. Didn't really take any deep shots so the game was out of hand. You know, couldn't really stop Dallas from doing what they wanted. Dalton Schultz exposed them. Had seven for 95 and two touchdowns in a game. I mean, the a letdown game from CeeDee Lamb was still four for 68 and a touchdown. Michael Gallup, who we're going to have to talk about, was highly involved. As many targets as CeeDee Lamb did in the game. Neither of the running backs got us there, but Pollard was by far the better running back in a game where Zeke averaged 2.1 yards per carry and looked Zekean doing it just plowing into a pile and, and falling forward long of nine yards. So on his other 12 carries, he had 18 yards. He is just so cooked. He's cooked. And there's really nothing more to say about that. On the Tampa side, you're not happy with anyone because no one started Julio Jones. I mean, Godwin getting 10 for 85, maybe. It's okay. PPR. I mean, that was fine. Yeah, you're not going to be upset about it. Mike Evans, six for 74, was about a fingertip away from like a 50-yard touchdown too. That would have been nice, but – you know, the, the best player was Julio Jones, who probably had minimal exposure. And I can't imagine I watched his game and the fact that Tom Brady somehow found his way to 351 yards, two touchdowns and a pick still surprises me. Then I look at the attempts, 66 attempts on the game. Oh they just totally stopped running the ball, even though our boy Rashad White was averaging six yards per clip on his run. Some of it late when they weren't really caring that much, but it was still. Too much Lenny early. They should have just went right to Rashad White, tried to run the ball a little bit. Wouldn't have mattered, though. It was an absolute disaster of an exit for those Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes. And sorry. I didn't see a total. Big- 45 and a half points. Game total, 31 14. 45 points. Brett Maher, Vegas thanks you for those unders. Boof. Oh. Yeah, you, you, you gotta wonder. <laughs> but, but uh real quick, I was looking at Zeke's contract while you were talking. So he this gone. past season, huh? He gone. I think they could one more year. His uh, he, they're paying him ten million, his dead cap is eleven. Jerry likes him too much just to save a million dollars. But but 2024, 
His salary's 10, dead cap is six. Then in 2025, when he's 30, 15.4, dead cap a one. Absolutely not, not two more years. I mean, just that's disgusting. I mean, I, I look at Spotrack, I don't know what you're looking at. I see 17 mil rough yes. cap, cap and a 12 mil dead. So, yeah, if you save five million, yeah, next year they would save eight million. Barely. I mean, listen, I mean, what are you going to get out of him? Like, it's just sunk cost at this point. You cannot, I mean, yearly cash of 10 million for 10.9 for him. That is just Zeke. Just man, that dude, nowhere else in America would he have this contract still, (laughs) except for Dallas. It's literally, he, he needs to send Jerry Jones, like just like the fruit basket, a nice fruit basket, 365 days a year for the rest of his entire life. For all the money that he has forked over to Zeke undeservingly. Yeah, who knows? I mean, that alone could keep them from retaining Tony Pollard, which would be a huge hit for this offense if next year you look up and it's Zeke still there, but Tony Pollard ain't. So, I mean, they, they could get the double screw. Imagine Pollard going to your Philadelphia Eagles. Be great. Then you got to fucking face them. Oof. Maybe someone would use them appropriately. But. Moving from that, we recap. So let's talk forward and get divisional with it, right? So Saturday, Sunday, two game, two games. So the Saturday slate opens with the – I'm sorry, it doesn't open. They got it flipped for me, and I don't know why. The Jaguars head to Kansas City to face off against the Chiefs as an eight-and-a-half-point dog. It's another another good one to start the weekend. I'm looking, That's the game I'm most excited for. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's Kansas City jumping in. The feisty offense, it probably now just feels like like they're they belong there, you know. Like if they can weather that storm, they can weather, you know, a, a Mahomes onslaught in Kansas City. I do think this will be a, a pretty competitive game. It's the highest total at 53 uh on the weekend. So I'm with you. I think we're gonna come out the gate swinging. Doug Peterson against his boy Andy Reid. You know, I think they know each other's tendencies a little bit. Yes. Um, so yeah, this should be should be an interesting way to kick off divisional weekend. So, so uh, I'm unintentionally going to drag the other AFC game into this, but so you got Mahomes by last week. Josh Allen, lots of people used him um, in week one. So do you go with Trevor Lawrence against Kansas City? Kansas City's allowing the most points to opposing quarterbacks for fantasy. Or do you go in what could be the other shootout with uh, <clears throat> the Bengals and the Bills? Now, the the other question here is, let's say you use Josh Allen, and let's say uh, Buffalo does win, and you say, all right, I'll, I'll use Trevor Lawrence, and they pull off the upset. You don't have an AFC quarterback. So I think strategy-wise, you're picking the one-and-done leagues. If you went Josh Allen, you have to go – with Burrow this week, and then you just take the winner of the Jacksonville Kansas City next week. Because if you picked wrong, you have nobody to start next week. Yeah, I mean, or you just fall over to the NFC side. But and, and but you could also <laughs> fuck yourself again and have no one in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you know the the strategy play is just that you go with Burrow because you know he's going to have a good game. It's going to be competitive uh, against the Bills and. You know, you hold out hope for whomever comes out of that KC Jacksonville game. I mean, I don't see a world where Jacksonville wins there, so I'm not as 
concerned with that and would be willing to go Trevor Lawrence. And then, you know, I'm going to have a uh, Mahomes to pick and maybe a Barrow potentially as well to, to maximize. And then, you know, I go Barrow if I think the Chiefs are going to win and then I have a, a Mahomes Super Bowl opportunity. But uh, I don't disagree. The, the, the conservative, the safe play, the smart play is the ride Barrow because it's not like he's a lightweight. You know, you're not going to be upset. Yeah. You know, Barrow, I think, sure. you know, put him at 302 touchdowns, um, maybe gets a three, maybe throws a pick, maybe rushes for a touchdown. That's that's well within the realm of possibility. It's probably, Although that offensive line is disintegrating. It's, it's, it's worse than it was last year. Yeah, it's crumbling. You know, but listen, it was that bad last year. And he still was productive um, in spite of it. So the right play. Um Another quick question for you. So Jacksonville is allowing 21.3 to opposing running backs, which is the most of the remaining teams on the AFC side. Which which Kansas City guy are you rolling with? I mean, that's ironic because I, I, I want to like kind of rely on recent history, right? But then I look at this Chargers game and Eckler didn't do shit running. I mean, yeah, he got the two touchdowns, but he looked bad carrying the ball and then wasn't involved as a passer as a pass catcher in the game. So it's, you know, who do you lean on? Um, I want to save the shootout McKinnon for whoever wins the Buffalo Cincy game. So that's my save, but I do not feel comfortable starting Isaiah Pacheco. So my answer is neither, honestly. (laughs) I'm looking elsewhere. Uh, I think you, I mean, if you're picking between those two, I think you have to go McKinnon. I just think, they get him more involved in his his big play upside, especially as a receiver. And then, you know, worst case scenario, Kansas City makes the Super Bowl and you're forced into playing Isaiah Pacheco. You're not you ain't miserable. Come Super Bowl Sunday, you're not like, well, no, you have, you have the maybe have I'll the, get a maybe I'll get two points. He he's he'll be good enough. Yeah, he's gonna get ten carries. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the reality, you know, of of this Chiefs offense. But I wouldn't be rushing to pick either one of them if I had my druthers, right? So off of that game, where are we leaning? You were, you, I mean, you were just getting into running backs. I mean, they both have reasonable tight ends. I mean, Evan Ingram's been productive the last several weeks. Kelsey is Kelsey. The receivers, there's no real clear-cut, like, alpha in the game that you have to start, but there's a lot I mean, of – Christian Kirk is the most – alpha in the group the problem is you know from a fantasy perspective they spread the ball around because we've seen the zay jones game so it's like fuck you you play you play the the legit number one on the team and then number two gets the three touchdown game so yeah i mean listen they they were a target apart and four yards apart against the the chargers defense eight for 78 in a touchdown eight for 74 in a touchdown so there was no there was no difference in the two a week ago. Now, you, yeah, by and large, it's been Christian Kirk. But, you know, there's, there's no guarantee there. I mean, it's, it's more so the conversation on the side of Kansas City is, you know, I talked you into some Kadarius Tony, which we're going <laughs> to – can't wait to have that conversation, how, how that one pans out first game out of the slate. But beyond him, Juju's been hit or miss. MVS, no thank you. No. Michael Hartman, probably back. Sky Moore, hell no. Justin Watson, no thank you. Like – I mean, it's sad. Like the top two options are probably on the Jacksonville side, 
in Christian yeah. Kirk and Zay Jones. Um, yeah, and and you can make the argument for PPR if you just want to play it safe. Like, let's say you got a you jumped out to a nice lead or in the top scoring group in one of these playoff leagues. Um, I can buy your juju to get you around, you know, eight points, 10 points, just not, not to hurt you. Whereas like, you know, a Valdez Scantling can get you zero. Um, and, and, and Kadiri's Tony is the big play guy. I don't, tr- he could explode this week. I don't trust him at this point in the playoffs. He's a guy that, you know, we have him in there with our fingers crossed. He's the <laughs> borderline Super Bowl MVP and there's definitely a path for that. But until we see him more in the game plan, now the unfortunate thing is if they get him heavily involved and he has a big game, nobody gets those points this week and everyone's going to pivot and put him in their lineups next week and in the Super Bowl when you do. So you're going to miss out on that. So, I mean, if you're looking to differentiate in these one and dones, Kadoni, Tony might be the play this week, but I'm – Far too chicken shit. I would rather put Kirk in knowing he's going to see a decent amount of targets in a game where they're going to score 53 points. Yeah, a game total of 53. And yeah, and, and they'll likely be chasing. So I don't I don't disagree with you there. Um, all right. So going from that game to the Saturday night special where my Philadelphia Eagles host the New York Giants at 8.15 p.m. Eagles are a seven and a half point favorite with a 48 point. Total. Both games on Saturday are touchdown plus spreads. Spoiler alert, neither game on Sunday carries a seven plus point total. So (laughs) Vegas seems to believe the Chiefs and Eagles are going to advance relatively comfortably uh, in these games. We were just talking about that Ravens Bengals third times divisional charm matchup. Well, now the Eagles get it against the Giants. I do think this will be a game that will be in play going into the fourth quarter. I do believe the Eagles are the superior team and will ultimately win in the end. But I think we're going to get a competitive Saturday night game here. Daniel Jones has been playing great. Saquon's a must start. Clearly, Isaiah Hodgins is the top target this week for the Giants. But now we're getting into the Eagles, who were on a bye last week. And how do we want to play them in a game we anticipate that they're going to advance and face the winner of the Dallas-San Fran game. I want to get a little bit of exposure to the Eagles in this game. Touchdown favorites, decent spread, tied for the second most on the weekend. Don't really want to go with my Jalen Hurts. Probably want to keep some receiver action. Goddard's in, in play here, but I'm looking at their running backs, and maybe it's just a tendency play, but shoot your shot, Boston Scott, Against the Giants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he scores a touchdown against them every single time he plays them. He, they played him twice this year. Boston Scott scored a touchdown in both games against them. The, some things are narrative. Some things are just true. And he scores touchdowns <laughs> against the Giants. I don't know how deep you want to go against the green, but Boston Scott's the guy that I could see plugging into some potential lineups. At worst case, he's got to be in some playoff DFS lineups. Yeah potentially is a huge pivot that could cash you at, you know, 40 yards and a touchdown at low ownership and low cost. Boston's got someone I'm looking at. What about you? If you think Philly goes to the Super Bowl and you want to get a little exposure at each of the next three games, I think you go Goddard in this one because the Giants are allowing 11.3, which is the most of the remaining teams in the NFC to opposing tight ends. Get him in there. Then next week, if you want to go Devonta Smith and then Super Bowl, A.J. Brown or 
you know, switch whatever order. But I, I think this is going to be the best matchup Goddard has the rest of the way. I mean, just look into Kansas City's just below that at uh, 10.9 points. Cincinnati's 9.6. If it ends up being Philly and Buffalo, they allow the worst 6.7. So if you want to get exposure to the Philly passing game, I think Goddard is the way to go if you want to have more dynamic guys in the next couple weeks. Yeah, I don't disagree. You know, San Fran's a tough matchup. Got it. Really didn't do much against Dallas and either the times he played him again, played against them this year. So going against the Giants, like you said, and how they quote unquote defend the tight end. I mean, I I went super future with the with the Super Bowl, but yeah, just going through the NFC, the remaining teams: San Francisco eight point four to tight ends, Dallas six point seven, mm-hmm. and Buffalo Super Bowl six point seven. So yeah, there's no. This is it for tight ends. If you want to use Goddard at some point, it's this week or not at all because his matchups are shit the rest of the way if they win. Yeah, jam him in here. Um, I, I don't disagree with, with that. I think that's probably the the right approach um, to take. I wanted to take a quick look at Miles Sanders, who has been kind of running hot and cold, but he gouged, gashed, whatever G-word you want to use. These Giants back on December 11th, 17 carries, 144 yards, and two touchdowns. It was one of his most impressive games uh, of the season, just consistently ripping off chunk gains. And if you don't want to go so off script with Boston Scott, I do think Miles Sanders is probably in line for 15 to 20 carries. Probably won't see much in the passing game. But again, to your point of you want to start them if they're playing San Fran next week, you might against Dallas. You're probably not going to be in an environment against Kansas City or Buffalo in the Super Bowl as he's not catching passes. So this might also be the chance you want to take uh, with Miles Sanders to get you know, some Eagles exposure and a guy who has been productive against his opponent, you know, short and long-term. Yeah. The, the, the more <laughs> we've been doing this now, yeah, I think Goddard and I'm locking in any of the leagues where I went Kittle, which was fuck all of them, well, pretty <laughs> much all of them. So I went NFC for the tight end. So I'm going to have to keep rolling that out and then fingers. If Dallas ends up winning, I guess I'm going to have to go. Schultz or Bellinger if there's some upset. So we'll we'll see how that works out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean if I were you, I'd be going Schultz in this round because I'm just gonna assume the Eagles advance and then you can carry a tight end one more round if you wanted to. And Schultz isn't like a slouch play since you already used Kittle. So I I would personally go with the Schultz side there. Um not playing the double upset card to carry guys through. But yeah, that's we don't share that league, so you do what you want in, in that one. <laughs> um, but moving off of them and moving on to the Sunday slate, so the 3 o'clock game is the Bengals going to Orchard Park to face the Buffalo Bills. Bills are a five-point favorite, 48-point total. Looks like there's snow in the forecast. I don't know how significant, 37 degrees it is you know, late January in upstate New York, but this is just an eerie game that has you know a ton uh, of – storylines behind it with Damar Hamlin and and everything that happened there and the way that everything shook out for the Bills hosting this game. um, It's going to be exciting. Um, Probably the most, I I would assume the most competitive game of the weekend. Um, Two of the top quarterbacks, a lot of good playmakers at wide receiver, you know, notable tight ends, you know, usable running backs. There's, there's really a lot of ways to go in this Bengals bills game. 
if if I had to pick a letdown game, this is the one. I mean, like we mentioned, Cincinnati's offensive line falling apart. Buffalo looked like Crap. shit against a terrible Miami team. This is the game. I mean, I, I could see this being a disappointment for fantasy. I mean, I'm still going to be – we discussed, you know, going with those Joe Burrow stacks because I, you're kind of backed into a corner, and, and the upside is obviously there. But this game is the one that scares me the most. I mean, the lowest total, I think, is Dallas and San Francisco, which you're kind of expecting it. So if that game, you know, if they score 41, you're not you're – not, Oh really? Who saw that coming? You can you can picture that narrative where Cincinnati and Buffalo only score, you know, if it's 21-20, people will be really disappointed. But I, I think that's well within the range of possibilities. Yeah, I agree. Um you know, this this, this is the game you want to kind of carry the weekend. Um, but you know, candidly, it might be the Jaguars Chiefs game that's the most exciting game uh, of the entire weekend. I can see the Giants Eagles game disappointing. You know, it was a divisional showdown. Bills Bengals playing tight and conservative. And then who even knows what's going to happen in this 49ers Cowboys game. But yeah, you, you have to get involved in the Bengals Bills just because of the players. I mean, you got Allen and Barrow quarterback. You got Diggs, Chase, Higgins at wide receiver. Like I said, Knox and, and Hurst are viable starters. If you're, you know, you're kind of staying away from some of the bigger names. And then you have Joe Mixon and either James Cook or Devin Singletary at the running back position. None of those running backs did anything of significance. Cook got in the end zone, but they all disappointed by and large um, in the wild card round. Top receivers did their thing, Diggs and Jamar Chase. If you didn't already use them, I mean, you might consider it in, in this week. Or to your point, maybe you hold on, you ride one side of the stack. And you hope to carry the other team through. Yeah, not not a lot to add here. I mean, like you said, there's the these are two of the more known offenses for fantasy. So it's not like no, no one's emer- no one's having a surprise sneaky game <laughs> like Boston Scott or something. You know, if if Singletary ends up scoring twenty five points, it's not unheard of. No, it's not. But to to put a bow on divisional weekend, and it was clear that after the Bucks and Cowboys were made a Monday night game, that this was going to be the last game of the slate. Um, so it makes sense. West Coast San Fran, a 6.30 p.m. Eastern start, host the Dallas Cowboys. San Fran is a three-and-a-half-point favorite with a 46.5 projected total. I'm just going to start out here. I think Dallas beats the 49ers this weekend. It wouldn't I, shock I, me. I just do. I mean, I'm I'm looking for the letdown game from Purdy. I, I wasn't impressed with what i seen. Box score scouting aside from him, Dallas looked buttoned up and opportunistic on defense. They have the pass rush. They have the back end. Dan Quinn's creative with the way he goes about, you know, playing defense. Yeah. I think they yeah. have enough offense um, to to eke this one out. I think this is where the road ends for the 49ers, personally. This was they they wanted Tampa Bay. <laughs> they didn't want Dallas. I like the Niners, but I will completely buy your narrative. Yeah, lo- lowest spread of the weekend, and I think well warranted. I think this is a field goal game either way. See, I, I wonder too. Like to me, a lot of the pressure was on McCarthy last week, and that was one of the main reasons I liked Tampa. I was like, "Oh, this guy's gonna blow yeah, this we, again." Yeah, we, so we, now we. I wonder, he gets past that hump. Now does he exhale and and get fucking killed here? Because he's like, "Oh, 
my, my job safe. I want a, a road playoff game. Or does it like flip a switch and say, okay, we can push this and I know how to keep winning in the playoffs. So yeah, does he go fast and loose? That's yeah. Get more get powered involved. Stop pounding Zeke up the middle. No, I mean, no hopefully. Never. 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 Yeah. So so I, I absolutely get where you're coming from and I can see the path where that happens. Yeah. Now, how does that happen from a fantasy perspective? Now, you, I think you've already nailed the Niners are a good defense against the tight end. So I think Schultz yeah, and running had, back 14.6. Yeah. Already had his big game. I'd still, you know, trust Pollard as maybe, you know, on the edges catching passes. I'm, I'm not starting Zeke in any world um, in, in any week. He's just such limited upside. They need to like get a PI at the one yard line and watch his fat ass run in there for a, a one yard touchdown at this point for him to have any value. I think this could be a CD Lamb game after seeing what DK Metcalf did to them. But then there's like a side of me that says that could be Michael Gallup. CD Lamb runs a lot of slot, gets open. It was that deep ball that seemed to be, you know, a liability a little bit, especially on that one DK Metcalf touchdown. That Gallup looked good. He was involved in, in this game. He they've been needing that second receiver. They've been using like Noah Brown forever. But as Gallup, you know, we're both Gallup fans. As he kind of gets back into it, I could see him having a sneaky big game uh, as a secondary option. Is there focusing on the Dalton Schultz and the, the CD Lambs of the world? And it's Gallup that that has a big game that carries him over the top. I don't remember if it was when we recorded or when we were just talking about building the uh, lineups we did together. But oh yeah, Michael Gallup can—he's one of those guys that could have just a monster playoff run. You know, the next starting last week and then going forward. But to me, the wide receivers are the only options in this game. From on the NFC side, Dallas and Philly are both bottom three against quarterbacks. There's four teams remaining, but I meant <laughs> when the playoffs began. Uh, bottom two against running backs, bottom two against tight ends. So they're stingy across the board for fantasy points, except wide receiver, Dallas 32.4. Second most in the NFC, San Francisco 31.8 second, uh, third most. Minnesota's out, so now they're one and two most. So you can use the wide receivers in this game. You mentioned Gallup if you want to get away from Lamb because more people are going to go that direction. I, I think they mentioned earlier Debo I think is going to be super heavily owned. I think the pivot there is Ayuk, and I think you're happy with that. And no matter who you use, I think you'll be happy using the other guy a week from now, and they both kind of have, you know, both teams have similar to how I said with Philly, where if you want to kind of space out the way you use these guys, if they're playing three more games, you you can use Schultz and then you could use Gallup and then you can use CeeDee Lamb, you know, if they make it three more games, same thing on, on the, the Niners side. If you didn't use Kittle already, get him in there. Then you can go Ayuk, then save Debo for the Super Bowl. However you want to work it out, they both have enough weapons where if you build whichever narrative you think this how this plays out in your mind, you have future matchups too for these guys. So there's definitely some gamemanship and some options for you um, for both of these teams going forward. Yeah, given my thoughts of who wins this game, I think Gallup, Debo is the way I would want to attack the game. I get your point of not wanting to go Debo because they're, they're going to be chasing after last week. But if they don't carry through, you know, and they're they're chasing points, I think Debo's going to be highly involved. This is assuming I already use McCaffrey or 
or uh, Kittle in the wild card round. So I'd want some Debo exposure, but I wouldn't be opposed to an Ayuk. Uh, it's just I don't know why I have a funny feeling about this game. Um, I just don't see the 49ers playing uh, for a chance to go to the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy. I, I just I don't know. Maybe I just don't want to believe it, but um might change my mentality about about how I attack the game as I want to try and retain some Cowboys and, you know, might want to shoot my load on a 49ers team that might be point chasing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my, my, my main plays, like I mentioned earlier, I like Goddard. I like any, however you want to slice it up, a Jacksonville stack with Lawrence, Kirk, or Ingram. Uh, like we said, there, there's other wide receivers if you want to go there. But, uh, you know, the logical play, give me their – their top receiver running backs. There's not a lot of great matchups. I mean, I I wish Philly had a clear guy because I'd like whoever they had against the giants, but they really don't. And like you said, Scott has that touchdown narrative. Miles Sanders in name is at least their starter and does get most of the work. Uh, Other than that, I'm, I'm probably leaning McKinnon. Like I said, just, on the narrative of Kansas city does make it to the next round and, and, and then eventually the super bowl, you could plug Pacheco in and not feel burned because you used McKinnon earlier. And then uh, if you didn't use them, you have to put Barkley in this week. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, Miles Sanders thing, it's crazy because even as an Eagles fan, it seems this way, right? But as far as rushing is concerned, Miles Sanders had 259 carries this year. He, the second, running back as far as carries was Boston Scott at 54. So he had 205 more carries than Boston Scott said on the season. The only thing is that Miles Sanders has 20 catches for 78 yards. I think that's what kind of holds us up is that he's just not involved in a passing game. I mean, he got outgained by, you know, out targeted and caught by Kenneth Gainwell on the season with 23 catches. It's just, they don't use the running back in the receiving game. So if Sanders doesn't get there with a touchdown, he, he's going to disappoint you, but he's, he does get the work. That's the problem. And he should against these giants as well, but you could see Sanders with like an 18 for 78 game. And then Boston Scott has five carries for 30 yards and a touchdown. Oh, and he get, yeah. And Boston, Scott was, and Boston Scott's a more valuable running back because of that touchdown. He gets you yeah, to those nine points against the 7.8 that Sanders had, even though Sanders had a decent game. Yeah, he'll have a 30-yard run, get tackled on the six, and fucking be yeah. getting oxygen on the sideline. He'll, he'll, yeah, he'll get pulled off the field just carries. like Pollard does for, for oh, the goal oh. back. You know, like oh. it's, yeah, that's a tough one. I'm with you on Goddard 100%. Given the <laughs> I'm sitting here shaking my head for yeah. imaginary narrative we both made up. Yeah, I'm, imagine, I'm already imagining getting burned. Yeah, Boston Scott's getting a TD ticket for me this weekend. That's That's for sure, but – yeah, to your point, you know, if you hadn't used Barkley, you got to get him out there at this point in time. You mentioned McKinnon. I told you I wanted to hold on, but you know, if it, it's I'm not opposed to using him. I would just like to hold him for for the potential Cincinnati or Buffalo game a week from now, where I think he'll be highly utilized. But it's pretty straightforward. I love Lawrence to your point because I just don't see a world where they beat Kansas City, but. They're going to be able to put up points the highest total. Um, you know, he proved resilient uh, just a week ago, and, you know, he gets you into that 303-type air. You're going to be satisfied, and you can tie him to, to Kirk or Zay Jones in, a, in certain degrees. You're going to be happy with the outcome because they're both going to probably see 10-plus targets on the game. Evan Ingram's a, a good tight end pivot as well, expecting if you hadn't used him last week, they're not going to be carrying through. He is going to be involved. 
in in their offense. So if you're not going Goddard, you know, because you want to hold the Eagles a little bit, then you you probably want to go with an Evan Ingram uh, in that game. But there's not many other quarterbacks. Like if you're in the position where you're to use Allen, I'm fine using Barrow, like I said, because I know I can still carry Mahomes through, uh, and then I'll just have to lean on some NFC quarterback um, to come through for me to get to Mahomes in the Super Bowl potentially. But beyond that, there's there's not a ton outside of Gallup that I see as kind of maybe potential value plays that had good week ones but didn't have massive, you know, you know wild card weekends that that really could pop um, this weekend outside of whoever it is between Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James. Like there's everyone's been realized uh, at this point in time. There's, there's, we're not unearthing, you know, any gems. It's really just strategy uh, of where you're at, how you decided to attack it, you know, to John, your point, like, did you go tight end on the AFC or NFC side quarterback and all, it's just a numbers play where you just yeah. have to carry over available options because um, if you're drawn dead in the Super Bowl, it doesn't matter that you started the best guy every week because if you're, you're taking you're a zero at the quarterback position because it's <laughs> like in Jacksonville against Dallas and you don't, you, you know, you use both of those guys, you know, um, in some capacity, then, then you're screwed. And it doesn't matter how efficient you are getting there. You know, there is strategy involved in all of this. So why don't we pick the winners? Of the games, and then if we have any parting shots for you know, this uh, divisional weekend, uh, we can call. So starting off, Chiefs minus eight and a half against the Jaguars. I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to go Jags with the upset. Money line or cover? I think they win. Wow. I, I'm going to go Doug Peterson out coaches Andy <laughs> Reid. Yeah. I, I like the eight and a half, but I'm not – Going to say that the Jaguars outright. Okay. Eagles minus seven and a half against the Giants. Philly. I like Philly as well, but that seven and a half scares me. Once I see that hook over the touchdown third time, I would probably take the seven and a half on the Giants. I think this is probably uh, I would a, agree. a field Giants game. Are, Giants are game. They're yeah, not- they're feisty. They, you yeah. know, they're, they're not just like the happy to be here team anymore. You now they have a playoff win in their pocket. It's, there's momentum building there. It's just they they are the inferior team. Um, moving from that to the Sunday game, Bills minus five against the Bengals. Uh, Bills and they cover. Uh, yeah, I I think they got scared straight in the wild card round, and they look past the Miami Dolphins and Skylar Thompson. They're not going to be looking past Barrow and that depleted offensive line. And that defense that was on the field, it seemed like forever against the Baltimore Ravens, I think is going to be a little rundown um, in the game. So I'm there with you. Um, just hoping the game doesn't doesn't let me down. Lastly, the Dallas Cowboys head to San Francisco or wherever the hell they're actually at, Santa Ana, to face <laughs> off against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I, I know you like the Cowboys in this one. I, I'm going to go Niners. I, it's just, just the anti-McCarthy, and that what that's what it was last week. Give me the Niners. What what puts more chaos in the world? How about a NFC Championship game with Mister Irrelevant? And now the Niners have Jimmy G, Mister Irrelevant, who took them to the NFC Championship, and uh, <laughs> their guy they dumped a ton of draft capital in Trey Lance. So give me give me the chaos bet in uh, San Fran. Yeah, it's a shocker that you went there. Uh, I already tipped my hand in this game. Uh, give me the Dallas plus three and a half. I think Dallas money line is something I'm going to be looking at 
uh, as much as I, I don't think we should take a lot from the Tampa Bay beatdown, I think they have the team to compete against the 49ers. Um, I just don't like them having to travel coast to coast short week. Well, not coast to coast because we'll be back Midwest, but they lost a day um, with the Monday nighter. So a more rested 49ers team has the advantage here, but I don't know. I'm just seeing, I'm seeing a Dallas advance. And then, you know what that means? The way I picked out is that then the Eagles will be playing the Dallas Cowboys, another division rival for the third time season series one to one where Hertz and Dak did not play each other. Finally will in Philadelphia for the right to go to the Super Bowl. It would just be, uh, it'd be too good of a story uh, not to see it. So the, the narratives are building. They are there. So you have Jaguars outright. We both have Eagles. We both have Bills. And then we split. You went chaos theory in the 49ers Cowboys game. It's going to be interesting to see how that goes. So anything more from these games? Anything unexpected you could see happening? Any gems on the way out? Any any parting words for the fantasy playoff football audience DFS betters in really I, I mean the, the only potential strategy thing here if you've gone one AFC one NFC running back and that's kind of your plan to go through this Jacksonville has ATN only Giants have Barkley only all the other teams if you use somebody in this round and they advance you have a, 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 a number two on all these teams at running back that you can easily plug in so this is much different than years past. Like I recall many times doing this for several years, really stressing like, fuck, if I use this guy and they go on, what am I going to do? I don't have that feeling at all. Like most of these teams are, have have three guys in the passing game. You can use two running backs. So it's just being able to pick the right one, the right week, because you have future options. I think, you know, a lot of these leagues, you get to the Super Bowl, and like you said, you're like, okay, well, cool. I guess, I guess I'm playing Jamichael Hasty and uh, you know Kyle Juicecheck as my my running backs in the Super Bowl this year. I think if you're leading heading into it, your lead isn't safe. There's going to be a lot of good players left. Yeah, like you said, so so number twos aren't number twos this year. Yeah, well, that's uh. Not steaming yeah, piles a of shit. One A's gonna, and one B's. Yeah, that aren't gonna aren't gonna crush your your hopes of winning the fantasy football postseason. So yeah, I, I agree with you. There's a lot of depth. I mean, you know, we were just rocking through some of these teams. I mean, it can be any Kansas City receiver. You know, there's three pass catchers getting ten plus targets for Jacksonville. You know the. You know, the Giants, you know, Isaiah Hodgins is a thing. The Eagles have multiple guys. Gabe Davis pops. Now the Bills are there. The Cowboys, we're talking Michael Gallup, 49ers. You're talking about pivot away from Debo and go to Ayuk. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be named players that are going to carry through where your championship lineup's not going to be like, well, that was fun. You know, I, I yeah. lost because I'm starting to your point, Kyle. Use check. <laughs> Shit, Henny. <Yeah. laughs> Could you strategize poorly on the AFC side? Yeah. All right. Well, John, we buttoned this thing up. It was beautiful. We rocked through recap and the next eight, the next four game slate before we uh, we'll, we'll talk about which teams will be playing head to head and advancing to the Super Bowl, which is yeah. a mere three weeks away at this point. It goes goes by quick. Yeah. Where is this? Why am I drawing a blank? Where is the Super Bowl at? Uh, I believe it is in. Arizona. 
Is it Arizona? Arizona? Yes, I'm positive now. All right. Well, you know, we we know who won't be playing in that Super Bowl in Arizona, right? I I know whose after party I'm going to. Gronk. Kingsbury's. Uh, Listen, Kingsbury's in like Thailand. Do you hear that? (sighs) Kingsbury put booked a one-way ticket to Thailand. He said uh, teams were reaching out because they wanted him to interview for OC job, and he pretty much said, like, I'm not interested at this time. Yeah, I'll let you know when I'm coming back. The dude just caught, like, an extension from Arizona. He's getting paid a guaranteed ass ton of money for the next few years. That was a king move right there from Kingsbury. Like, all right, I had enough of this shit anyway. I hate him as a coach. He might be one of my favorite people in football. <laughs> no, listen, after that move, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to deny him. He's like, you know, no draw. He's just, you know, he's like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. No. Nah. No. Nah. You can miss me with, you know, the, the New England Patriots OC gig. Um, Scottsdale and Bangkok. Um, Jesus. Yeah. He's I'm living fine. my dream. He's living yeah. my dream life. He's living your life. <laughs> good for him. Yeah. I, I mean, I know they, I know they, I was doing Murray. Temper tantrums for what three seasons? Yeah, that's all yeah, it took. I got a, I got a little kid at home too. Yeah, does the same <laughs> shit. I've got a son that's under five feet tall. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, does the same shit. You're just not getting to travel. Take one way trips to Thailand <laughs> afterwards. No, not at all. Yeah, worse. This is what suckers we are. Damn it. Yeah. That'll do it for us. <laughs> so, for myself, John Debari, my co-host, Mister Matt Walker, and our friends at Expand the Box Score, we are the Fantasy Forty. Good luck this weekend, and we are out of here. Go, birds! Out! Go, the Giants. I am, uh, like I said, I watch a lot of these games, and it, it, that, that it was a nice beak wetter with that San Fran and Seattle, but uh, pretty jazzed about all these games, too. There's a good storyline to all of them. These are, uh, because I hate the NFC East, the Giants Philly is the one I care about the least. But because <laughs> I talk to you every week now, I'm like, all right, let's go Philly. Yeah, hey, let's. And go. I like Hurts, so yeah, this is. Uh, I'm looking forward to these games too. Yeah, the storyline sucks, you know, for that game. Like it's you know, the third time, you know, Philly's suspected to win. It's going to be an ugly game. Like, yeah, the the Jacksonville Kansas City, the the AFC games are far more appealing. Than either of the NFC games, in my opinion. I mean, yeah. Dallas, San Fran, I just, I just smell an upset. But you know, San Fran's going to want to slow it down and, and win with defense. You know, and Dallas is going to want to pressure Purdy and try and force turnovers. Like, seems pretty predictable. And then Giants, Philly, just like the divisional third time game. You don't want that to happen. So, I'm with you. I'm more, far more excited about the AFC, but I, I have to love the Saturday night game, right? Well, for I mean. They're more exciting for points. I mean, truthfully, Giants and Phillies a better, a good storyline. You got fucking Dable and and Barkley and like you said, I mean, it's ugly for points, but the division thing plays into it and makes it a little more exciting. And 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 really, no matter who wins any of these games next week, looks good too. Yeah. Yeah. Again, the NFC is far less sexy, but Giants Niners, that's fucking Purdy against who the fuck knows who on the Giants. That's crazy. Dallas and Philly, you got, you know, your whole thing with, with you got Hertz and Dak again. Philly and the Eagles, you got the one two seed. Giants and Dallas is a oh, that's that, there's the stinker out of any potential possibility. 
Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna remain optimistic that the double upset isn't really an option. You know, so no one wants to see it, and I don't think it's a reality. Dallas would probably kill the fucking Giants, though. They would. Oh, and then yeah. we got to sit through. Then got to listen to Cowboys fans because they're in the fucking Super Bowl. Talk, talk about maxing out. Yeah, I mean it. Oh. No, it's not their time. <laughs> I'm not sick their- to my stomach. I don't yeah. even want to fucking listen. If Dallas goes through Tom Brady, regardless of where he's at in his career, San Fran and Philadelphia, they deserve it. I believe it happens. People I don't even people I haven't talked to in like fucking six months were texting me. Fucking asshole Cowboys fans. <laughs> Listen, they, I was like, they, come on. They come the out f- from their shell. <laughs> yes. You know? They fucking are the worst people ever. Yeah, but they were always there, right? Oh no, Dallas for life. I'm like, sure. Dallas since ninety-five, right? Even Aikman was saying it. And one of road playoff games, it's he played for the Dallas Cowboys. They've been irrelevant for like twenty years. Oh. And yeah, but yeah, now they're, they're competitive again. They're not even great. They're competitive. Yeah, and now it's you know, <laughs> idiots making songs on Twitter. Yeah, oh, fucking worst people. They are. They are the worst people. Nice cup of Joe. Okay. I need another one. So actually it's a special cup because it's from Portland, Oregon. And I can't imagine a fucking world where I would ever return to Portland, Oregon. So this is a <laughs> a once in a potentially once in a lifetime cup now. I also gotta think it's like a coffee mecca. Ish. Well, I, I went for donuts. You went to Portland, Oregon just to eat donuts? They have Voodoo Donut. Okay. They were pretty fucking good, but they have a lot of goofy ones too. Like they have a Voodoo Doll Donut with a little, and I can't, let's see if I could tip this without spilling coffee all over the computer. Yeah, let's not, let's not experience that. Can you see inside the cup at all? I cannot. Nope. I see there's words. <laughs> yeah, the cup says, <laughs> the magic is in the hole. Oh, that explains why you bought it. <laughs> All right, yeah. Let's let's rock these shitty games. Somehow they all disappointed me, and some of them were really good. Yeah, I was okay with. Uh, they were good games. I last night's was the only was the biggest stinker of them all. I mean, now that was a. Disaster that did not go. I don't think is Goodell had planned when he put that game on Monday night. America's team versus the goat. My friend and, took his um, took his kids. I didn't even know a good buddy of mine from Chicago. They had pictures of them uh, in their which I don't even. His kids are big Brady fans. I guess they both had Brady jerseys on. They went to Tampa for the game. Oh uh, yeah, my buddy was down there. The guy I went with, he, he took mm-hmm. his wife to the game, so he, he left at the end of the third quarter. Didn't regret it that time. <laughs> <laughs> Night nightmare, literally. They just fired Byron Leftwich too. Which they fired Byron Leftwich? Yeah, it's reported. 
like it's not official, but they're doing like exit interviews today. But yeah, sounds like he's going to end up in Pittsburgh as the OC with Tomlin. I mean, they're off. I think wasn't that whole offense sucked. I I feel like he kind of rode on the coattails of Bruce Arians and early oh, Brady. Oh, for sure. So once it was really him, shit started going south. That play look at that. The disaster. You know, a year ago, everybody's like, Lafourche needs to get a start, a head coaching job. And I was like, what did he do? So now, Listen, now, like you said, you get the chance, you go, well, hmm. oops. Literally, they said the Jacksonville job was his to lose, and he said no to it because he didn't want Balky to be the GM. Imagine that. They, get, they settle for Doug Peterson, who turns the entire team around and has them in the playoffs. Further than Tampa Bay. <laughs> ah, sometimes these mistakes work out. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Ready? I am. <clears throat> 